Hey there, friends. Before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not... And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand new membership site. We have hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast, where we help small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Join host Patrick Kirby as he chats about the latest nonprofit trends, challenges, and success stories. Plus, you'll get actionable advice to help you be even awesomer. If you're a nonprofit professional, volunteer, or supporter, this show is for you. We'll tackle all the big topics like fundraising, marketing, and volunteer management. Our only goal? to bring you the information and inspiration you need to take your organization to the next level. So grab that giant caffeinated or adult beverage and get ready to do good better. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. I got a twofer uh, conversation today. With, you know, my favorite human of all time, Rebecca Undum of Growing Small Towns. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Welcome back. I was going to say, welcome back. Like a multiple-time <gasps> guest. Am I a three-peat? You might be a three-peat. Do I get a jacket? You Nope, not until five. You have oh. a little ways to go. You get a patch. Five-timers club. You get a patch <laughs> that can go on your jacket an, an, at five times. An emblem. An emblem. <laughs> I don't know how to sew it. It might be an, an iron-on one. Or to say it or to spell it. Just kidding. I don't either know what. Um... <laughs> I'm first of all, I'm very glad that you're here today. We've had a very busy couple of weeks, you and I, mm-hmm. and they are all nonprofit related. Mm-hmm. And for everybody listening um, out there who either has a small or a medium sized nonprofit who is specifically maybe even in the rural areas, um, this is one of my this has been one of the, the, the best weeks to explore ways to help facilitate the discussion on how to do better than I think I've had 
in the last number of years, like in events in sequential order. And you have been involved in every piece of this. And so it's really nice to have you to talk through not only a rural bus trip that we sort of uh, took through the uh, southeastern part of North Dakota. And I know from those of you who are not in North, like, that's fine. That doesn't make any sense. It will. And it doesn't then, sound all that intriguing or exciting. But, but it, it also it, was. It is. Promise. And then <laughs> uh, and then we had a, a movie screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we were involved with as well, and it all ties together to the theme, generally speaking, of um, if you can dream it, you can do it, and there are people who are willing to help you if you are a nonprofit, but you got to figure out who to ask and then get who to get on your bus. Right. Yeah. Oh, what a great metaphor there, Patrick. Since we're talking about a bus trip. So um, for those of you who have not gone back into the archives, uh, I would love for you to give a 5,000-foot view on who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today. Right. So I am a nonprofit leader. I founded a nonprofit in 2019 called Growing Small Towns. So after many years in organizational development, my whole thought process was, okay, I think everybody needs the kind of stuff that I get to talk about with these companies that hire me, Um, everybody in small towns in particular. Um, If most people get that kind of development through their employers and most of our small town people are employed by mom and pop shop operations, which is really pretty typical, like where are they getting access to that? So I felt this need of like the idea of growing small towns. it isn't like, okay, we're going to use all these awesome attraction methods and get our small towns, you know, bigger. But I do think when we invest in the people that already live there, there's, there's like an, an attraction mechanism built into that. Mm-hmm. There's this like magnetic pull of a community where people are healthy and whole and like functioning well and they're like hell bent on their own growth. Um, so that was kind of the big idea that I had, I guess, mm-hmm. when I started growing small towns. And so we focus on basically three main areas of capacity building. So helping small business owners start or scale, um, connecting more people to the transfer transformative power of art and culture. Because I just think those are the kinds of things like you sit in a theater, let's say, and you're watching Hamilton in Omaha. I did that once with my daughter. Just that's a pretty, pretty on point uh example but just what it what it can do to you like that feeling of just kind of an opening i think there's so much power in that um both for business people and non-business people Mm -hmm. and then the third is just general personal development right that you know if we can improve the personal skill sets of people that live in small towns we just there's there's actually no downside so one of the things i love most about this is that you have a nonprofit dedicated to this right but also, the, the work that you and I do sort of meld so well together in that idea, and you mentioned it, which is uh, uh, communities that function well right. usually have nonprofits that, that function, function well. well right? right. Yep. Yeah. So so where you and I, it's and it's been so fun for, again, like we've been friends for over a decade. You've been in your work. I've been in my work. There's so much similarity mm-hmm. between our, it's basically just a lens, sure. right, through which we view these things. But it's all about the people involved, the nonprofits. And for me, it was it was businesses. And now it's for me and people that are in small towns mm-hmm. um, and communities. And it really is true. Like in, in my community, for example, um, nonprofits, 
they do the things that were again we think about nonprofits in small towns it's funny what as we've talked about this more people will say well are there really that many nonprofits in my small town hmm. and you want to be like yeah every single if it's a cool thing that you get to do more than likely that's put on by a nonprofit mm-hmm. um, but then in our community a lot of our core services are carried out by nonprofits our ambulance our fire yeah. departments both of those services are completely run by nonprofit organizations and so if we don't help them get better and getting better looks like a lot of things. I realize that's pretty ambiguous, but we're talking about um, the fact that none of us get better in a vacuum. You know, none of us get better if we don't somehow let outside ideas or experiences in to help to help us think differently about mm-hmm. the problems that we continue to have. So, like, it's recruitment and retention of humans. It's um, successfully carrying out a strategic plan. It's fundraising. It's like all of those things. They're people skills. Right. Not and not people skills like interpersonal skills, but human skills that if we can help them get better, then they win. And then now I see so clearly how my small community wins, too. So a number of years ago, three years ago, um, you planned a rural bus tour. Right. And again, for those of you who don't live in rural communities, when I'm saying rural, I mean, it is 30 minutes in between towns, rural Right. Yeah. Where we yeah, live. Absolutely. Right. So your concept, well, I, I want you to explain the concept originally because the flip this year was dramatically different. And uh, from an impact standpoint was uh, I still I'm still thinking about it weeks after we've done it. Right? right. It's just so cool. So but you need to kind of explain, like, why on earth would you get on a bus and why on earth would you get a rural bus tour? This makes no sense. On right. paper, it makes no sense. Right. So originally it was to introduce Growing Small Towns, me as the founder, and the building that we renovated mm-hmm. to um, people from Fargo. So so again, for com- some context for everybody listening to this, we're about two hours from Fargo. <laughs> that's that's rural speak if there ever was sure one, is. right? hundred We're 110 miles from Fargo. Um, my entire professional career prior to moving back to Oaks, which is my hometown, was all in Fargo. And I just see such a need. Like there's so many programs and services that are offered, um, even like the SBA, let's just say, the, the Small Business Administration, right? They have all these pro- programs and services. They, they're supposed to do quotes, uh, quote unquote, outreach, mm-hmm. right, to my community. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't really seen their faces, right? So I thought, okay, how do I introduce them to the concept of growing small towns, me, and let them actually come and tour the building. And I thought, well, what better way than to make them, you know, like voluntary hostages, right? Like they're yeah. they're going to get on this bus with yeah. us. They're going to spend an entire day with me. I get to craft that entire experience. So originally in 2021, the purpose of the, of the bus trip was to really spark the conversation about urban and rural collaboration, which I kind of even hate the labels of urban and rural, but just the fact that like you're in Fargo, you have talent, but so do we. And there's amazing, cool things happening out here. If you just get out of the big city, um, I gave them a lot of crap on that bus trip. You were on it. You're a three peat bus rider. Um, and, and just, you know, it was, it was a way really for me to continue to just frame out why I think this matters and the people on the bus, um, almost unequivocally became champions of ours after that experience, right? Well, I just joke, you spend like eight hours with me on a bus, you're either going to love me or you're not. For the most part, they've all come back. We've lost a few along the way. Um, But so that's what we did, They were cool enough to hang out anyway. That's right. Yeah, it's their loss. Um, 
but so yeah, we we you know we we chose specific parties along the way to stop and see, and then mm-hmm. we did like a big lunch. So the lunch thing was you know we had local stakeholders like regional stakeholders, and then the bus people, and we just facilitated kind of a cool conversation between like. You know, just what are the like? If you can't say it out loud, you won't address it, right? right. And I think some of it is just there. The people on the bus had no idea some of the things that were happening. Plus, like you know, we just everything they ate was sourced from our region, like stuff like that, right? It was just a really special and experiential way for them to see what we're all about. The the idea that you curated <clears throat> this specifically for them to experience in the in the rural way of life kind of thing. Um, was incredibly unique. And you as a nonprofit might be listening to this like, well, I don't know how the hell this applies to me. Well, it applies It can very well Real. to you, right? Absolutely. If you're a nonprofit, you're always trying to gain access or um, uh, communication with business leaders, business owners, and you're trying to rise above the fray. It's a very difficult um, thing to do because you're in competition with every other nonprofit, mm-hmm. every other person who's trying to gain business with that particular business. And this was a timeout in the middle of the week that everyone took a full day, a full day to concentrate yeah. on a business, and then a handful of other businesses that they were going to meet. They w- they would never ever um, bump into normally right. at a downtown coffee shop in Fargo or whatever big city that you you would like. You you're not going to do that. And this was um, such a wonderful time and space given to these businesses who got to explain what they do, explain what rural towns meant to them, rural communities meant to them, uh, what the commu- what they um, they meant to the communities themselves. And so this year, it was such an interesting twist that you and I said, okay, well, what if we do this, but specifically for the nonprofits because we see the value in mm-hmm. very. Um, uh, special curated time for nonprofits to explain what they do, uh, explain their impact. And uh, the minute that you as a nonprofit leader get to do that, people's eyes open up. They ask like, whoa, how can I help? Or I didn't know that was a thing. Right. Or this was very interesting. And yep. so it it seemed like this was going to be a fantastic idea. But outside of that being good on paper, why, why the nonprofit route, even because you're a nonprofit? You're a nonprofit inviting other nonprofits to right. be benefited by the list of people that we cre- curated for this bus ride, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Okay, so I'm going to come back to that real quick because then last year, I mm-hmm. want to just mm-hmm. particularly, like yes. last year, the, the thing that we did that was different last year, it's a pretty similar concept, mm-hmm. but we actually had the bus riders solve a key problem yeah. for a local business that we stopped at. Right. Um, and I, I got to watch, again, just from, I was just the facilitator on this mm-hmm. bus, watching this group of like 40 people actively put their entire breadth and depth of experience professionally and personally mm-hmm. into this one guy's problem. Like, so mm-hmm. we had toured this guy's uh, manufacturing plant, right? Which was also very cool. So we just got to honor the hell out of this yeah. guy, which was so fun. Um, so I got to see that like live in action, just the the value of having people put their brains on mm-hmm. stuff. So then once that had happened and you and I really started talking about nonprofits and we started talking about, you know, what a difference my community would, what it would feel like if we just helped more of the nonprofits rise. Yeah. So that was then the pivot to like, okay, what if we did that exact thing, but we gave all of that time and space just to nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really, that's really the reason it's like, they're often, again, like there's so many trends, even since COVID we've talked about this a lot and just politically, culturally, socially, 
um, a lot of the big funding sources aren't coming my way no. into rural communities at all. And so um, not only is there a ton of competition to begin with, but in small towns, they like we if we don't get outside of our community, we're not exposing ourselves to any new way of thinking about any of this mm-hmm. stuff. So we're actually just by how small we are, we're getting further and further behind. Right. Like if, if nonprofits in general and small communities are being left behind anyway, mm-hmm. um, if we aren't actively seeking new ways of approaching things, especially with your work in fundraising, um, we are literally getting just the we're just eaten dust of the, all of our urban counterparts. The irony of this, too, is that a dollar in a rural small nonprofit goes so much further than totally. large entities in the inner city or the urban areas. And that's that's the incredible part. So there it's it's not like your, you know, a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars doesn't make an impact anywhere. Right. But when right. you are reliant on, you know, grants that have dried up or you're mm-hmm. or you're desperate to try to make a payroll for a a, a childcare in the middle of nowhere. And if that child care that's running as a nonprofit goes under Nobody else can go to work. Right. Like, it yeah, is it, absolutely it's, a critical infrastructure piece. Right. And so um, it's, what I loved about it is that you were giving these rural nonprofits that we were putting everybody's big, sexy brain on mm-hmm. a problem specific mm-hmm. to them. Um, it did two things. One, I think it made everybody realize who was on this, this trip. Because, again, it, to, to set it up even more, you just ask people to show up right. in a parking lot. And right. get on a chartered bus, right. no questions asked. Right. You, don't they don't, give, you don't give, don't them give a an lot. agenda. There's no agenda. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, details. Right. They don't know where we're going. They just know they're going to be back by a certain time. That's yeah. it. Right. And they know they have to be fun. That's it. Yeah, Those like, are the requirements. Yeah, yeah, and we've gotten a little more clear you know, as the years have sure. gone on or whatever. But yeah, it, it really is a stupendous, like astounding thing that these groups of people do. And then they show up. They show up. And they have a wonderful time. But the other thing that I loved most about this year is the realization that they could give something other than money. Money, right. And that was, I think, one of my biggest takeaways. Because then, we again, we went down to Nome, which is this uh, Nome, abandoned... Nome, North Dakota. Nome, North Dakota. It is population <laughs> 10. Right. And I'm... And at we're at not, best. We're not yeah. even, like, yeah. that's... Nope. There was 10... We, no post office. Nope. No gas station. Nope. No bar. No bar. Now they is, have a bar yeah, because they, they yeah. put a bar in. But, yeah, right. That's usually in North Dakota, you have the one-to-one bar church ratio. Yeah, they don't even have a church. They don't even have a church. Yeah. So it's 10 people. We quadrupled the number of people <laughs> in the town by showing up. <laughs> and it was an abandoned schoolhouse that these two brilliant uh, young women uh, who have two separate businesses came together and refurbished. And now it's a, a gigantic uh, stay and learn about uh, from farm to knitting. Like it's, this it's from farm to, from barn to yarn. Barn to yarn. That's their thing, yes. right? Because they make, so they have they have a flock of animals, yeah. and then they shear them. And the actual fiber mill where they process the raw to the end yeah. product is right on site. And then the other business partner takes the the end product and then makes artwork out of it. Like it's just the it's, that even saying every single time I talk about these women in this business, I'm yeah. like, none of it makes any freaking sense no. and at that's, all. And like, it, it is crazy. an hour away from the largest from the next from from a Walmart. 
It is an hour away from a uh, Walmart. Mm-hmm. And so we stopped there. And then they've got a nonprofit education wing about how, right. you know, sustainability and organic, uh, you know, sort of living. That, that's the, the nonprofit part. They hop on the bus. They have a problem. We break out into groups. We solve it. We, we give them or 50, give them a, 60, yeah. 70 ideas. Right. That yep. they get to they get to take home with them, and then we go to Oaks, and you've got five local and regional nonprofits that we divvy up, and then put our same brains on there, and then we head back. And and again, I want to reiterate that the realization that I think a lot of these individuals who again blind trust to hop on a bus and they go, yeah, is there was something else that you could ask of your donors than cash, and in fact. A lot of those things are way more valuable. And the thing that excites me about talking about this is that if you're a nonprofit listening and you're kind of coming up with ideas like, we can't fix our budget, we don't understand how to do X, Y, and Z, we don't know how to, this is the perfect engagement in order to get you to where you want to go. Right. Period. Right. Um, so we did all this. Your takeaway initially, and I, I think we'll do it in two parts. One, what was your initial takeaway at Gnome? Uh, and then what was your initial takeaway after we, if you're kind of facilitating these five nonprofit work sessions mm-hmm. and almost hot seats, uh, right. from, like yep. masterminding hot seats, yep. um, because you as, as a fantastic facilitator and as a person who does this a lot, um, you got to look at it from a view, like you almost get to look in on how mm-hmm. this was going rather than almost leading it because everybody was leading in themselves. Right. Your reaction to the reaction of the nonprofits would be really insightful. Yeah. So they're, again, these five nonprofits are local to, to me. Yeah. And, um, I think my, I think my favorite part was just getting to remind them how freaking important they actually are to Mm. us. (laughs) You know, like grant, we had the ambulance service there. Nobody can argue that the ambulance service is super important. right? Right. But we also had our golf course there. And it, it tends to get into this like weird, and you, we've talked about Hunger Games, right? Like it's yeah. like kill or be killed, like, right. and you just want to say like, no, you, your, what you do for this community. And again, now I'm I do economic development in Oaks mm-hmm. currently, and so every conversation that I'm having with somebody looking to move to my community, whether or not we have a golf course, the fact that we've got one, it matters, right? And so they're struggling with year years of just kind of. Um, board stagnation and a lot like a lot of stuff that a lot of people are struggling right. with. So there was something for me that was really cool about just giving them this opportunity. And then also like giving the bus riders an opportunity to contribute in a way that was uniquely theirs. Like this wasn't something where um, the company said, we're going to go out and we're going to do a service project. No. And I'm not, by the way, not digging on service projects, but I am asking Anybody listening to this, if you are part of a group that has to do service projects, like, do you want it to matter? Do you want it to impact who you're actually trying to help? Do you want it to be meaningful? This was super meaningful. Mm -hmm. And then the thing that's been really, really cool is I got to follow up with each of them and give them all. So we, you know, we gathered all the ideas, right? We had somebody taking all notes for everybody and give that all back to them. And then to say, pick an idea mm-hmm. and we we're certain that somebody like people from this bus would love to help you figure out next steps to execute that mm-hmm. thing it's just like they feel so honored and so cared for and again like this is mostly about mindset like they don't think they matter right 
So often they don't think they matter, and so often in small communities, oh, they undervalue themselves. They, they too. do. I mean, they that's they, what I they found. do. They don't, and they don't think they should be paid. No, everybody. It's and literally, it's like if you're if you're not a volunteer, then you're not charitable enough. Right. And it's like, um, no, no, that's that's not the case at all. We want, I want our nonprofits to to actually be well paid because mm-hmm. I want them to be as committed as a for profit leader would be to the success of the organization yeah. that they're working for. Yeah. One, so, one of the things I, I, I'll I'll give you the golf course as an example. Well, there's two big examples. So one was the golf course where they were um, we were talking about how much it costs to sponsor a hole, right? So have like uh, you get, if you're, you're a golfer, you go and like, hey, here's hole number three, brought to you by whatever, and there's a yep. plaque on there. Right. The undervaluing of everything because <laughs> it was they hadn't changed the price of anything of anything in <laughs> twenty. Years they hadn't taken into account inflation in twenty years. Right, they've well, had inflation they, that's doubled in the last two months, let alone the last twenty. It was 100%. ridiculous. Well, and it it really ends up showing what for me. Okay, okay. So I sit there and I'm like, oh my gosh, we can do better. But how how do I articulate to them that yeah. to them? It's hard for me to do that right. again. At some point, I just become like a talking head sure. in the community. You're, right, you're in I'm it. You're I'm in, in it. it, and they don't. They don't see it. This way, it was like you had all these other people Mm -hmm. that have some experience with golf, maybe no experience with golf. It doesn't matter. They they just go, oh, well, what about this and what about that? And they suddenly go, oh, oh. And the two people that happen to be there for the golf course actually do get it, right? Right. But they're potentially fighting the resistance. Right. Of people that are like, this golf course is for us. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's a community benefit. It's a community, a public good, right? And so how do we help them run it to the public's benefit instead of just the core old guys, you know, without alienating the core old guys? Like Absolutely. it's a it's a real thing. But then, so. but then everybody who was who was working on that particular that that question. Right. So it's broken up into groups. Um, they got to not, not only did the golf course feel valued and it's like, wow, they're taking care of us or people actually care. Um, everybody there was like, oh, my brain or my thought process or my perspective and my unique uh, uh, way that I've walked through the world is as valuable as whatever check that I'm going to write. And that was I think that was revolutionary to nearly everybody on the bus ride itself. Agreed. Yeah. And and especially when it comes to like the arts and culture piece. And the other one that mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about really quickly was the Opera House. The opera house. Yeah. There is in what... I get the is it Ellendale. Ellendale. Yep, Ellendale, North Dakota. Ellendale, North Dakota. Ellendale, North Dakota. How many people do you think live in Ellendale, North Dakota? Oh, I want to. It's under be... a five hundred people. A thousand no, it's people? more than a it's, thousand. It's, yeah, probably probably just let's give them twelve hundred. Let's give them twelve hundred. <laughs> I don't know if it's the quite that Opera big. The Opera House, <clears throat> when it was built, and and to this day, has space for every human being who lives in Ellendale. Correct. It is the largest opera house, I think, within what? A, so what did he like, say? Canada to Mexico and coast to coast? No, it's no. Mississippi Mis- to... Minneapolis to Seattle. Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Seattle. Seattle. It's and the then- largest opera house right. yeah. in like three-fourths of the country. It is an insane fact. And they're, re- and they're restoring nobody it. Knows and nobody about. knows about it. Yeah. So... From a, a, if you think you're a small nonprofit and you think nobody knows about what you do, think about the fact that there is an opera house in Ellendale, North Dakota, that has the capacity to fill 1,200 people, and they're trying to refurbish it into this wonderfully historic, restored uh, place for art and culture in the middle 
of flyover North Dakota. And, right. and, and to have them tell the story as passionately as they did and to have people who every single person at that table had no idea that place existed. I, who have been to Ellendale a number of times, did not know this place existed. And it was a joy to watch people learn about it mm -hmm. and then become almost enthusiastic, passionate human beings because the individuals who are running it, who were frustrated that they couldn't raise enough money as quickly as they needed it to. Right. Or just get access to the experts that they needed. Or the, or the capital. or right. the Yes. Yep. And the collateral. And it was just it's an such, access problem. It is. Mm -hmm. And to watch that actually happen in real time was yeah. one of the more magical moments of, on that entire trip. Well, and then let's just, let's just remind like, like ourselves, there was a woman on our bus that sings opera locally right. here. Like th that, it, and th that was again, like I didn't go, well, Gina needs to be on the bus because Gina sings opera. I didn't know that Gina no. sang opera or had any connections into like that kind of a, at all until she was on the bus. And I think that is what, again, what this is about for me, uh, and what I'm like now so freaking passionate about, I can't think, I can't stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. It's just general stewardship. Mm -hmm. Like you've been given something, whether it's financial resources, skills, talents, and abilities, or time, right? We always talk about like, that's what we get to steward forward, time, talent, and treasure. We spend so much time talking about treasure, but does that investment again and, and money matters? Like it does. again, I'm not saying that it doesn't, but what if we can couple mm -hmm. those, those financial yes. commitments with some of that tr talent and time? Mm -hmm. What would happen? Right. And that's again, it's like I go way back to why I started growing small towns. I was having all these conversations in C suites and I was like, this has got to somehow get democratized, mm -hmm. like and brought to just average yeah. people doing, doing life like everybody else. Right. It's, and it's been affirming, I guess, for me that growing small towns was meant to exist. And this might be a, a key piece of it. And how do we help our bigger regional employers think differently about that? Well, and I think, again, it's if, if you're fun. a nonprofit leader or you're someone on the board and you're and you're thinking like, well, I don't understand um, how I can gain access or do things. This is the type of activity. This is the type of mindset in which if you can just get yourself into, and again, it doesn't have to be a bus trip. If you can tell your story to as many people as possible, you are going to get linked in with the ideas and perspectives of other, per, uh, of other individuals who may not even remotely think like you or your board or whatever. And they're going to give you such amazing, um, ideas. Or they're going to give you inspiration. And it, it stems from the question of like, well, how, you know, this is our thing. How can you help? Or what are we doing right? Or what are we doing that could mm -hmm. improve? Right. Some of these simple questions that you, your nonprofit, can ask can enlighten you mm -hmm. to an incredible amount of detail that, uh, that might help you fundraise. And it didn't cost them a penny. And you earned everything in institutional knowledge that you never had before. Right. It was just really remarkable. It was. And I think I, I also want to just say that one of the best parts about this was that we focused on giving being personal. Right. And so like everybody on the bus didn't get to come on and say, I'm a banker nope. or I'm a this or I'm a that. We actually, we actually said like, we don't want to, we don't want to hear like, you're not, you're not going to introduce yourselves leading with what your job is. No. Um, and that was new for everybody on that bus because again, we're, we're all probably pretty used to going to networking things where you like lead with your business card. Right. And you lead with your title or you lead with your employer, or you lead, you know, whatever. And it's uh, to me, I guess it's just such a cool reminder that like 
<laughs> again, I get really idealistic about stuff, but it's like, God, if we all could just get over like the red tape and the bureaucracy and kind of the bullshit that mm-hmm. surrounds so much of this and more of us just went, I care about this, this, and this, and I want to give the best of myself to those things. I think there is absolutely enough to go around from a time, talent, and treasure standpoint that everybody would be, we'd all be thriving. I actually think that that's true. I realize that's a lofty, big projection, but it's like, well, what if we can do that in small ways? And so that's um, where we're going to start. It's almost like you are have a, your own podcast and that you know how to lead into <laughs> one segment into another. Because that is the second thing I want to talk to you about because you were a part of um, a movie uh, – I, I can't say premiere because it wasn't the premiere, but it was definitely an exclusive show. It was a screen. It's it was an exclusive, exclusive screening, screening. Yeah. of yep. the movie Uncharitable. So yes. Dan Pallotta, uh is coming out with a movie. It's, uh, you know, at the time of recording, it's coming out in less than a month. Um, Dan Pallotta, if you don't know, if you're if you're not listening to this, you haven't seen his TED Talk on the way that we think about charity is dead wrong. You need to immediately go after this podcast, by the way. Yeah, finish, you, listening, finish to listening to this and then, you know, <laughs> click on, you know, subscribe and give five stars. After that, immediately go to YouTube and go just just find Dan Pallotta's, um TED Talk. Mm-hmm. And um, his TED Talk was based on the book he wrote called Uncharitable. And we hosted a, a, a sort of a, a wonderful screening plus a panel discussion on that. And it was and it matched so perfectly with this idea that we can have the luxury that other businesses do of dreaming bigger and mm-hmm. executing some of these big uh, audacious goals that we have. And we can also require that, you know, we earn enough to be able to live or we can think about overhead as not a line item to cut, but actually a part of the programming that the people need to do. Um, so we hosted the screening. We had a couple hundred people who showed up and then you were a part of the panel discussion afterwards. Right. And it lines up so well with the bus trip because it was that perspective building mm-hmm. that I think everybody who came out and watched the film, which is, by the way, fantastic. But everybody who watched the film was like, okay, now how do we do these things? How do we execute these things? And uh, we had a you know community foundation director. We had a, a local uh, you know rural board member mm-hmm. on there. We had you as an executive director of a small nonprofit um, that were, they were all part of this panel. Um, I'd love to kind of give your, again, two minute high level thoughts on not only the film, but the way that it was presented to individuals who had never seen this before. I mean, this is a month, a month and a half in advance of anything screened nationally. But what was your take as somebody who watched it and then somebody who was answering questions from the audience of how they were intrigued that this film hit? Um, well, I said this. I said this on the panel too. So it's, it's, it was challenging the first time I watched it because you actually let me watch it ahead of time, which I, I I appreciated just getting some sort of scope of like, what is this thing going to really look like? Mm -hmm. Um, there was definitely moments for me where I was like, Oh, this, this feels, um, not, not entirely relatable. Right. Because one of the things that he, that they highlight a lot of is just like as nonprofits become more and more successful. And if they're, if they're CEOs, executive directors, whomever start to draw salaries mm-hmm. that start to feel out of bounds. And that's, uh, I'm going to say it like they feel out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they hit like, well, none of them hit seven figures. They no. were six, they're multiple six figure salaries. Sure. Right. And then the media grabs hold of them mm-hmm. and just, viscerates yeah, yeah just viscerates them in the in the media 
Um, that's something that, again, like being in a town of 1800 people in a startup nonprofit, it's hard to even imagine that. But where it became really clear for me was like, oh, well, we would never even, I mean, have the audacity <laughs> yeah. to even say we should draw a salary. Let alone, it yes. is our absolute badge of honor to say, like, we run it with all volunteers. Blech. Yeah. And you go, well, is that so great for you? Right. This this like Midwest humility thing or modesty thing is really problematic in the nonprofit sector, mm -hmm. I think. And I see it and I, I hear it. And and again, now that you and the more you and I talk about this, I'm like, I can't escape it. No. It's everywhere. It causes burnout. It causes yep, right. regret. It causes resentment. It causes um, fights that are unnecessary. Right. It causes the budget to be your enemy rather than your ally. Like it is a lot of bad can come with that particular mindset. Right. So I think that was like how it all hit me. Uh, and al also just like what an important um, reframe mm -hmm. for all of us, like to not think of yourself as overhead, right. but to think of yourself as a key, as the key to quality programming. Right. You know, if you're a person mm -hmm. earning a salary. Yeah. And the, the, the panel was interesting too. And we, we had some pre-questions, but there was a lot of questions from the floor of like, like, how do you even rationalize some of this or how do you execute some of this? So part of um, part of watching the film is that if you're a small nonprofit, you're like, well, this th there's big ones. United Way is in there. Right. There's some y YWCA. Some YWCA. Yep. Like there's some yep. big names that are in this. How, Charity Water. How do I compete or how do I take some of these perspectives that were given in this movie and as a small rural nonprofit, how do you even begin to execute them because you know what they're right, but like, how do you do that? How do you put that into a system? How do you begin to uh, um, uh, use these tactics or use these concepts in a small town? Yeah, well, I, again, I think it's, it's really being honest about how committed and dedicated you are to the mission of the organization that you're working yeah. for or own or whatever, if you're founder of it, mm -hmm. right? Because it's not, you're gonna limit your ability to help if you limit your ability to earn. Yeah. I mean, that's, I have to just tell you, and I don't know if I've actually ever told you this, but so I was asked to speak at the University of Jamestown. Mm -hmm. Okay. This, and I mean, you knew that because I, I speak right. there. They have like a capstone course, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're all seniors. They're graduating in like two weeks. And then there's me like, hey, like, this is going to be <laughs> so fun. Your lives are starting kind of a thing, right? And uh, in the front row this spring, a young woman raised her hand and asked me a question about um, if I find it challenging to deal with the limits on my salary as a nonprofit leader. And I looked at her and I said, what limits are you referring to? And she said, well, aren't you by law mm. limited to how much money you can earn as like the CEO or executive director of a nonprofit? And I said, in absolutely no way. Holy legally crap. are you bound by that and she goes and i said i said can i ask where you know how did you come to believe that like where where, where did right. you hear that or she said well i interned for a nonprofit, and she said and one of the things i had to do was like make sure that we kept within certain guidelines and so i was like oh, oh my, my god. god so i looked at her and i said more than likely that was part of grant administration like mm -hmm. you had a grant that limited that but so then I looked at all of them and I said, that, that alone is infuriating, right? So then I looked at all of them and I said, I want you all to know that a nonprofit designation is a tax status. Mm -hmm. 
And all it means is like by law, you have a charitable function and the and the federal government determines that. And that's it. It does not mean that you are not allowed to generate a quality living. And I said, so if any of you have counted out going into the nonprofit sector because you think you can't make a good living, Mm -hmm. I, I urge you to think differently. And I was literally sitting in front of a class of graduating college seniors. And I thought. Where none is all the, none of this talent is going to go to the nonprofit. And that's one yes. of the things they talk a lot about in the movie yeah. was just like, well, no wonder we can't get ahead as the nonprofit sector. We turn away talent because they go, why? Well, in that whole illustration, oh by the way, about the, the guy, like the, was like two, two Stanford MBAs or whatever. Yep. And the one chooses the private sector, right? Mm-hmm. And he makes like, like 450,000. Yeah. Something right. compared to 160 or something. Yeah. And literally he can take that salary donate a hundred grand to the nonprofit that he chose not to go work for. And like literally is, is then heralded as a philanthropist and all these stuff that, that illustration literally made me want to vomit. It was so, I thought, Oh my gosh. The amount of people that you can recruit to work because there's so much talent out there. And Mm -hmm. again, if you're not in the nonprofit or or you're a board member and you're like wondering why we can't find a a development director. Why do we keep turning over? Why is there turnover? Yeah. Right. The job market itself right now is so chaotic. Yep. And we don't even get to tap in. You don't even get to the top tier. They don't even look at you unless they are just like, I've got way too much time and money on my hand, which like, all right, let's be honest, who has that? Right. And they're not coming to that small, you know, rural nonprofit to go do good. Um, You are constantly going to be trying to fill the gaps with people who might not be as talented as the person that if you paid them to do this, it would be an incredible boon. To the not only the the programs and services, but your right. own community itself. Right. And it was just oh God, I forgot. I that bothered that, me. I know Ugh, that bothered me so much because I did. I thought to myself, I you know I started growing small towns as a nonprofit mm-hmm. because it is a charitable. There is charitable like the end users right. can't possibly pay the value the value yep. right so there there's a gap there's a gap that's got to be filled so my organization 100% should be a nonprofit and yet i am a private sector minded human mm-hmm. right so i i never really spent a lot of time thinking about this actually until they said that and i went oh my <laughs> gosh you know yep. like because i i want to one day build my position to a to a place where i can find a successor right and I want that successor, like, I started it, so I've given a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not drawing the salary I should. Mm-hmm. I want 100% want to build the capacity of my organization to the point where I could look at an amazing candidate. Like, we, like my board gets to go, oh, my God, look at this slate of amazing talent. And mm-hmm. we're pulling them from the private sector. Right. right. So, uh, yeah, I, it's something I didn't ever really... I didn't ever really think about just because I like back, I like stumbled into mm-hmm. nonprofit leadership, right? Yeah. So I know it I was, know. it was, it's super powerful and it's a conversation that we need to continue to have in a state like North Dakota where we're so rural. Mm-hmm. Um, we really, we really need to think about what this looks like. I, I think in both cases, what was interesting to me is that a hand, a, a bunch of individual for profit leaders. And when it came to the, to the to the movie, a lot of nonprofit leaders took time out to sit and think and discuss and talk. Mm-hmm. And I think when we are so chaotic in the nonprofit realm that we're always scrambling to make our budgets and do this and, and wear the 10,000 different hats and you're all over the place is that taking a day 
taking a, a handful of hours, working with your board and your leadership to sit down and just vision cast the things right. that you want it to happen and taking some time to do that for yourself and consider like, are we paying our, our staff enough? Am, am, am I as the executive director valued enough to take this particular salary? Mm -hmm. um, are we in a position to to grow? And then who are our champions and how do we have conversations? If you can just pause. Mm -hmm. And again, end of the year, is it's, it's coming up. You're going to scramble. It's going to be chaotic. But you have to take some of this time. One of the things that I just learned that through this entire process in the last couple of weeks while we were doing this was the amount of a creative good that came out of just pausing mm -hmm. and reflecting and then asking people for their perspective and and, uh, and thoughts, the amount of good that came out of that that was not cash related will all turn into cash related because they took the time to do that. Right. The simple question of, well, what do you think or how, yeah. how would you solve this? Right. It's right. fascinating. It's fascinating. And yeah, it's been... Um, God, it's been so fun. It's uh, everything that we've done in the last, you know, handful of months or whatever, we're building up to this and just the discussions mm -hmm. that we've been having. It's like once you see it, you can't unsee yep. it. And there's just I all I see is potential. It's untapped potential. And uh, a reallocation is is due. Right. Yes, I know. Right. It is. Of, of time, talent and treasure. For those of you um, who are listening and you're like, oh, man, I want to know way more about Rebecca now because she has impressed my ear holes with her <laughs> uh, uh, things. This is the type of stuff that she does. And so if you're a business owner and you just need to get a hold of her, please do. Uh, but may might not know how to get a hold of you. How on um, earth do they get a hold of you? They can just go to growingsmalltowns.org mm. and there's like a little contact button. My, uh, my email is there. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Um, and I welcome, like, I welcome all of that because again, I'm a startup, I'm a, I'm a startup nonprofit mm -hmm. and trying to figure out the best way to make the impact that I so desperately want to make has been, I mean, it's, it's wild. Oh, it's yeah. It's, it's wild. It's bonkers. It's mm -hmm. fun. It's, it's fun to watch grow. It's fun to watch these leaps and bounds that you're going to be making. And it's just, uh, it's very fun. Again, uh, while you're on the internet, we're going to put all those links in there. So please click on all of those and then subscribe. And you've got a podcast. Like just get yeah. all of those things, yeah. get it out of the way. Uh, speaking of podcast uh, and you're on the interwebs, if you have not subscribed to this uh, podcast yet, if you have not reviewed this in five stars, you should probably do that. I mean, this is the type of like, this is, this is good stuff. I, you know it is. So go do that. And then immediately go back and then go like all of Rebecca's stuff. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, um, thank you so much for taking the time to sort of reflect on some of these things. It has been – they've been bouncing around in my head. And so taking the time to kind of work through this and actually like say it out loud has right? been super fun. Um, thank you so much for what you do in this like, like almost borderline obsessive – look at the nonprofit realms the way that I do. It's so, um, I'm so appreciative of another human who is thinking about it in the way that I am thinking about it and to bounce ideas off of. But most of all, thank you for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, I want to invite you to join 
Do Good University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions, all for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details.